You are listening to the Enormocast. Hey folks, before we get into this gigantor episode of the Enormocast, perhaps the longest single episode I've ever posted, we're talking Rogan territory here, I want to remind you that Black Diamond and Sportiva have been the long-running faithful sponsors of the Enormocast and are back in 2020. Frankly, without them, the Enormocast would have likely withered on the vine a long time ago, and I can't thank them enough. BD and Sportiva really believed in the podcast before podcasting was cool, and surprisingly, they never seemed to think I'd go too far. So when you pony up your hard-earned money for new gear, which you should do once in a while, just remember that the climbers at Black Diamond and Sportiva listen in, laugh, cry, and believe in this thing the same way you do. And supporting them supports the Enorma cast. Okay, clear your afternoon schedule and buckle in for TAPS 2020. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the uh, Enormo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big house. place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll see. You really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. LSD, man. Fuck you up, strong. Um, right. So, you guys ready? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, I'm just going to do the intro, and then we'll just leave it on here. So, what what do I say? Oh, yeah. Um, hello, and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. This is episode 190 of the Enormacast, a live recording. We're going to do it right here. I'm doing the intro in the episode like uh, like the good old days, actually. Uh, I think I did the first few like that. But anyway, here we are, episode 190. I'm sitting here with my compatriots, Andrew Bisharat, my partner over at The Runout Now, and uh, a former guest uh, many times, actually. Maybe the most repeated guest, actually, um, at this point, because of these TAPS editions, if if nothing else. I was just thinking about uh, the first episode we did where you did your intro live. Yeah, and you were actually just a simple guest. A simple guest. A writer. Yeah. Just a nobody. A just a nobody. With big dreams. And speaking of nobodies, are my... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do it if you didn't. Oh, you did. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Beat me to it. <laughs> Steve Dilk, also a return guest. Also uh, mul- multiple different episodes. That's right. From listener mails to uh, the El Cap edition to the TAPS episodes. Anything I'm missing? No. No, that's about yeah. it. Yeah, so... Anyway, uh, we're here for the third annual TAPS, and um, I, I should actually explain TAPS a little bit because it got confused uh, because I on the episodes I capitalize it, so people thought it was some sort of acronym, but really we're talking about that, that you know mournful wail of the bugler um, at, the, at the, you know, the, the passing of the soldier into the ground, and um, 
My sound effects guys got it for us here. Okay. Taps, was for, Taps was first played at Harrison's Landing, Virginia in July 1862. And within nine months, it was adopted by both the Union and the Confederate forces. In 1891, Taps became a standard component of U.S. military funerals. And in 2015... <laughs> I just... <laughs> the Enormacast adopted Taps <laughs> as our way... Of signing off on events in climbing and wondering whether they're on life support or dead or zombies. Had come back criteria. to life. Yes. And this is... Or unkillable. Yes. And yes. this is all just like sliding into super disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you get the idea. You get the idea. So, yes, the, the, the program is about trends, ideas methods in climbing that um you know either have have long since gone away like the partying hard and climbing super hard climber that we talked about last time or things that we think should go away mm. and uh, maybe should be killed should be stabbed in the heart with a stake and uh and and things that uh you know are just like cooking along but maybe make us a little uncomfortable it's, we were just talking before we started recording about how this should really be the canceled episode. Yeah, canceling. That's more of a 2019 word. Yeah. So maybe but taps can be on our, ta- on our taps list. Yeah, the taps is out. <laughs> canceled is in. <laughs> that's that's only apropos because uh, Andrew just wrote an article on his online journal, Evening Sends, <laughs> about uh, the cancel culture and our friend Saeed and his uh, mix-up in that culture right now. So... Um, but we're not going to get into that on this show. But we're going to uh, we're going to just kind of throw out some roundtable topics and uh, see see what we find out about who believes what. And I think we're going to go ahead and start with a um, a little bit of a uh, throwback to I think it was last taps um, about our <clears throat> insistence that you should lower off of sport anchors mm. versus repelling. Um, off of them versus going up there and then getting off belay and then pulling the rope up so the ends are even and then you know lowering yourself down with your ATC on on a, on a typical rappel and um, that that one got a bunch of pushback and I think it was mostly because people were a little bit confused about um, what we were what we were actually telling folks to do and uh, were I, they well yeah because everybody got angry that you would do all this wear and tear. Mm. Um, and I think they thought that we would also be top roping on those anchors. Mm. We may not have clarified that it's, it's an excellent style to, if you're going to top rope or even if you're going to lead it multiple times, or if your buddy's going to lead it after you, that you put draws on the anchor and only, you only lower through the anchor itself, whether it's carabiners or if you had to tie through something on the very last lower of the day. Um, not necessarily every single time. And that's a way to preserve the anchor. And even and if you're red pointing something and you've got your draws on it, then you might as well throw a draw or two on the anchor too while you've got your draws up there. And then you lower off of those each time, um, which is totally normal even if you if you would normally have to tie through is to put your draws up there so you don't have to tie through every single time. So I think people got confused about that. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's pretty clearly just good style and good etiquette. Um, to, to to reduce that wear and tear because it's not nothing. We're just saying that sport anchors 
in the modern age are designed to allow you to to be lowered through them. It's not only that, it's that it's safer to lower, to be lowered, especially on a steep route so you can clean. Yeah, that's the big cross. thing too is, and I think I responded recently to a listener who wrote me something about this and I said, look, this is only a debate for, and this sounded really elitist, I'm sure, but I was like, it's only a debate for, you know, the five ten and under climbers because once you get into 5.11 sport climbing and into 5.12 sport climbing, you can't clean your draws off by repelling because it's going to be too steep. And it's, and it's really like, as soon as that happens to you one time, you basically like give it up and you're like, yeah, let's go and let's start lowering. And, and I also said, just go, if you don't believe me, go to a sport climbing area and look around. 99% of the people are going to be lowering through the anchors and all the people who are, you know, really into sport climbing are going to be lowering through the anchors. So it's not like this is some big controversial debate. It's all replaceable. I mean, yeah. that's a deal. Yeah. It's like a few bucks and it's replaceable. So it's, the, it's not like it needs to last forever. Yeah. Right. And again, the more, I mean, I think this is part of that whole, like, uh, you know, this crossover from trad climbing to sport climbing that happened in the, even in the beginning of bolting. Right. And it's just, um, you know, in anchors, modern anchors, modern sport anchors, you know, should, and, and if you're, if you're putting up modern sport, if you're putting up sport climbs in this day and age, or, you know, people who are, then they should be putting in anchors with replaceable rope ends. And what I mean by that is that the, if the rope end, wherever the rope goes through, can be replaced without replacing the entire anchor. Right. Right. That's a sport anchor. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. Steel carabiners that you, that steel can carabiners. Come, yeah. That can come off the wall. And yeah. even if they're not steel and they're just regular ones, that's the other thing. It's like the only people in the world who debate whether they're going to leave one of their precious carabiners behind is also those same like sub five eleven climbers that it's just like, if you get up there and one of those beaners is worn through, put one of your beaners on it, even one of your good ones from your draw. Like it's like six bucks, you right. know, yeah. just, you know, like do your part. And that's right. what I also told this person. I'm like, look, if you have to, in your brain, do an equation that let's say every 20 routes you lower off of, you replace a beaner somewhere. Maybe not on any of those routes, but you just have a steel beaner that you bought that you paid like 11 bucks for because the steel ones are more expensive. You know, a, a freaking beer and a half, maybe just one beer at a lot of places. <laughs> and that's your that's your giving back. Well, the the real issue is that we need local community organizations that can make these decisions and manage this a little right. bit for because people don't need to be thinking about this shit when they go climbing. Yeah. Most people. Right. You know, like the, this, there needs to be like groups that are just like, chill, dude, we got this. Yeah. Like you go up there and do your thing and you lower off of our stuff and we'll figure everything out. Yeah. But I mean, it goes way back. Like Boone Speed never repelled off a freaking sport climb Boone 30 Speed's years never ago. Repelled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, this isn't something new, you know, we're not like, you know, it's just like this whole revelation. It's just strange that, it, that it even is, but yeah. you still go and you see people just like getting work. Well, the, the other thing I want to reiterate about it being safer, the reason I believe that it's safer is because it's a closed system that you never open. And what I mean by that is you get on belay when you leave the ground and you never get off belay. You get up to the anchor. If, if you're like 
feel like you don't even have to say anything. You pull some rope, you clip through, and you yell take. Well, tying through anchors is so, like, 2010. Yeah, but, I mean, that still happens. Yeah. But even when you're tying through, you don't have to say anything. Your belayer is just down exactly. there. As far as they're concerned, no, you're still you, climbing. There's so much confusion about yeah. that. But the yeah. thing is, is with the rappelling, it's like off you get off the belay you know there there has to be a bunch of communication there's this whole thing where you break the system you have to put it back together and uh it just doesn't make any sense and the other thing that's really 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 important in this whole thing that we're talking about is we are talking about sport climbing mm-hmm. okay we are not talking about single pitch climbing everywhere we're talking about sport climbing uh, an area that is, you know, a designated, everybody knows it, rifle, 10 sleep, whatever. It's, we're going sport climbing. Well, it's, it's a situation where you're being lowered by a belayer who's on the ground. Right. Down a route and you're retrieving your gear as you are lowered. Right. The, do, the way to not do that is on repel. The way to do that is to be lowered and to tram in with a draw or something like that to clean your gear. Right. Well, the, uh, the reason I want to make sure it's like clear that it's sport climbing is because sport climbs are designed to be lowered from. Right. And therefore, you know, with the single ex- pitch trad routes are the same. No, they're not. Not all of them. But no, no, there's no, no, a no, lot. no. Stop, there's stop, a stop, lot. stop, stop, stop. I am all going right. to shut that down so hard. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm getting at, dude, is that every year people who are sport climbers go to Indian Creek and get lowered off the end of the rope because their ropes aren't nearly long enough to be okay. lowered from those routes. Trad routes, single root pitch trad routes are not designed from the get go to be lowered from. But that's, that's, um, I mean, there's, that's, that's a false and, uh, equivalence. What do you mean? Well, I mean, there's single pitch sport routes that are longer than half a rope length. Like it's not, that happens too. I mean, you you could say this, make the same argument for the eighth day or something like that, or, you know, jumbo love. Yeah. But both something like that, but like you, yeah, but both of those routes are designed to be lowered off of because they have mid anchors to lower to. Right. So they're still designed to be lowered off. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, but yeah, in Indian Creek, there are 130 foot pitches mm-hmm. that you need to repel off of. And Red Rocks. And Red Rocks. And all, you know, yeah. the, the whole trad thing is about arriving at a place. But there are a lot of trad crags that do have that same. Yeah, you can, setup. but you yeah. better be way more careful. You just have to know. Yeah. Uh, you have to. It doesn't matter whether you're climbing trad or sport. You have to know how long your rope is and how long the route is, and whether you can lower off the anchor and put a knot in the end of the rope, or have knot. it tied, or have it tied to your rope bag. Yeah, yeah. So, but I just wanted to make that clear yeah, because yeah. yeah, no, that's a good point. Indian Creek is the is the is the site of literally like these days like a weekly fuck up accident. I well, mean, what like happened this year. Well, there's yeah. several, including yeah. a, a poor young woman getting. Uh, repelled onto by someone who repelled off the end of the rope and and landed on her. Yeah, fucked her up. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. terrible. Terrible. So she's just chilling. She wasn't even part of the climbing team. She's chilling. just like chilling, chilling yeah. and someone landed on her. I don't know if they if there was someone she knew or not, but whatever happened, it was unexpected and it and it messed her up. Yeah, is she okay? You know, I I don't know what her recovery's like. She's you know. She didn't die or something. No, but I mean, it, I, she was, I think it was pretty bad. And with the climbers? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, last year I was, I was there for a weekend with, and this rescue started and we went over there and these guys that showed up to rescue were like, Hey, we just got off a rescue over at this other cliff. And these are just like, yikes. Yeah, dude. It, oh. These are just like, um, is it San Juan County? Whatever the county down there is the Monticello. I mean, like 
these are like you know your typical kind of like you know yeah like star dudes off star the dudes like that, that go yeah. look for hunters that are lost <laughs> and stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah i mean it, it's mayhem in the creek like people need to f- uh, that's a whole nother thing like people need to like step back and settle down down mm. there i mean broken appendages ripping gear repelling off their ropes getting lowered off the ends of their ropes like on a weekly basis you know i can't even imagine what the budget of that sar team is but it's like getting blown to pieces would you but, be in favor of just making all routes in the creek 30 meters? Yes. That's really? that's actually the solution. <laughs> <laughs> what do no, you think of that, Till? It's just that you're... It depends on the route. You're like yeah. 20 meters? Yeah. <laughs> 15 meters. There's a lot of them that could be shorter, though. There are a lot of them that could be shorter. Where you climb some amazing thing, and then you got to, like, trundle up garbage for another, like, 35 feet. Because, That's true. Because they were trad yeah. climbing, and so they, they had to go all the way to wherever. Yeah. So I've been actually I've been uh, guilty of moving anchors down on established routes. Mm. Where I'm just like, no, we're not going up into that garbage. I'm just going to put it down here with a good climbing end. Yeah. And I have received very few complaints. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, totally. So anyway, just want to clarify, lower off anchors, sport climbs only, and tie a knot in the end of your rope, and everything's cool. <clears throat> All right, moving on. Let's talk about, a, uh, I think, one that got dusted up this year quite a bit, um, dogs. Dogs at the cliff. Where are we not at? Enough, with- not enough dogs at the cliff <laughs> is what we're ta- where we're going. Wait, before we go to dogs, we need to, um, what is it? Is that on life support or zombie or what? Well, it seems, it seems to be a zombie, a classic case of zombie. The the repelling, the, yeah, the yeah. repelling. Man, it's yeah, it's a zombie. Yeah, it won't go away. It like, won't. Basically unkillable. I mean, I get it. Like, I kind of get it because you know, as we were talking about it, like we got into all these sort of nuances, and it's like, you know, when you know, but um, yeah. I think that people, I think the takeaway for me for that is that people, if they could understand that they're not doing a community service by repelling off of anchors when they could just as easily be lowering off of them in a situation that makes sense to do it, like you were saying, right? then that would be a big improvement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about the anchors. Yeah. It's just gear. It's It's just just gear. It can be replaced and it's going to have to be replaced anyway. Yeah which was our point last time. So I know every, I, I'm sure that didn't help actually that whole thing. We just did, didn't have them to get <laughs> more what about, clarified. What about this whiskey? I mean, I actually, what are we got, drinking I actually this got, is helping. I got like an angry, angry email that Americans in particular were fucking up all the anchors in Greece Ooh, because we whoa. were lowering off of them. Well, the oh. anchors in Greece are then, fucked anyway. But then some, I think that, I think somebody was confused that they thought they, that we meant, to take all the carabiners off and then lower directly off like the metal on the anchor or so I don't know. Anyway, I don't know what kind confused. of pull the Enormacast has, <laughs> <Right>. but if, <laughs> if, if our one taps episode like fucked up all the anchors in Greece, I know. that's like that's amazing. Yeah, all right those there. salt driven like <laughs> yeah, exactly, rusty exactly. pieces of shit that I climbed on like ten years ago in that place, like literally plants like growing up from behind bolts and shit. Yeah, I don't think I I don't think the lowering off of them had anything to do with that shit. But anyway, Greece, call us when you have titanium. Yeah, <laughs> Greece. <laughs> I know a lot of stuff's been replaced since I've been there, but man, oh man, like, what was it, like 2008 or 10 or something like that? It was sketchy. They hadn't figured out the salt 
interacting with the limestone with this with the metal kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, well, no yet. one had it. It was like a yeah. new frontier. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So anyway, let's actually take a break and talk about our sponsor. We have a special <laughs> sponsor. I've never done that really in the enormous cast where I stop in the middle. This of is that's talk, true. That's true. Talk about the sponsor, like uh, some mattress sponsor or something. <laughs> like what are what are all the big ones? Of course, Mailchimp and shit. Yep. Coming to enormous cast twenty twenty ads. Ads. Mailchimp ads. Um, no, we're not talking about Mailchimp or mattresses or socks or oh, mortgages. No, mortgages. <laughs> I'm going to get a little taste of that mortgage business. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, um, we have a whiskey sponsor for this particular episode. Hell yeah. Hell yes. yeah. So um, the folks, the folks, and I think I think it's actually a little bit of a Royal Wee situation over there at Brooklyn Distillery in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I think it's one dude, mostly, although like the Norma Cassie refers to himself as us. Um, I'm sure he's got some guys working for him or some gals working for him too now, but... Um, it seems to be kind of his show. Anyway, listener of the Enorma Cast has provided me whiskey out of gratitude before, and uh, I hit him up and said, hey, you know, why don't you sponsor the Taps Edition? Yeah. He thought it was a great idea and uh, sent over some bottles. So we're drinking, let's see, we're drinking a, a Brooklyn Distilling Bonded Ryan Corn Whiskey and uh, made in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, it's delicious. Quite did you taste say? that American oak? I did the American oak barrel. Yeah, it's got that vanilla notes in it. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a nice whiskey. It's available at Sweet. um at BRK Distilling, and I I didn't see any place out here in Colorado that sells it. There's not actually very many because they just don't make very much. It's a it's a very much an artisan type distillery, and uh, but you can order it online if you go to uh, their website. There's a bunch of places you can get it online. And um, you know what? When it comes to a, a few things, a few of these vices in our lives, you just don't want to fucking save money on True. whiskey, coffee, what else? Like, just, that's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And, and the other reason, even if you're not a whiskey person, the other reason to get a bottle like this is if a whiskey person comes to your house <laughs> and you bust this shit out, you're going to make their night. And they're gonna leave thinking you're like one of the coolest people they've ever met. So if they leave, if they leave, <laughs> they don't. They fall might just sleep on your couch, exactly. <laughs> which could happen tonight. So anyway, thanks so much uh, to Brooklyn Distillery, and uh, let's enjoy. Cheers, yeah, cheers, guys. Cheers. Happy 2019. Mm. <sighs> All right, we'll return to that. Okay, so where were we? Where are we gonna go to dogs? Dogs, dogs. Too, too, not enough dogs at the crags. That's that's Andrew's position. <laughs> exactly. I was uh, thinking that um, the folks who wanted to repel off anchors to preserve them probably have four dogs at the base of the root, digging <laughs> holes, fucking dog trenches. So I love that. I, I say more dogs for sure. Uh, completely sarcastically, get rid of your dogs at the crag. So you're you're a totally no dog person. Generally, yes. Do you have yeah. a dog? No. No. Definitely not. He's a cat guy. Yeah, I'm a cat guy. Yeah. Two cats. <laughs> no. Uh, do you ever bring your cat to the Yeah, let's no. get into I have, cat. I have cat. seen a, ca- a couple cat. cats at Rifle before, and they were like really chill. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say the two things that are most infuriating about dogs at the crags are the interference of dogs, i.e. noise, just incessant barking, or literal like eating your shit and fucking with your gear. It pisses me off. Mm. Often, 
I don't know if you've observed this, and it may be because I'm a cat guy and not a dog person per se. Although I, I love dogs. I just happen to not own any. It doesn't sound like you love, love dogs. No. Oh, I do. No, no, no. I'm a, I'm a dog guy. <laughs> really? I'm an equal opportunity animal okay. lover. Okay. Well, prove it. Get a dog. <laughs> Get, bring it to the crag. Leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> While you climb a multiple tree. While I climb a multiple tree. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, you know, I'll be, I'll be at the crag and a do- some, two dogs will meet generally or one person goes like pet a dog. And then it snaps and there's this big fracas. And then the dog owner in it variably always says, oh, I've never seen that before. That's never happened before. And I always have to think, you know, I've seen this dog for 10 seconds and I've seen a new behavior and a new attitude. And you, the dog owner, you're picking up its shit. You're with it every single day, day and night. And you've never witnessed this. This is complete trash. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not normally like this is the line. Yeah, right. There you go. He's not normally like that. He's not normally like that. You know, which is implying that there's something wrong with you because he's finding you to like right. disturbing his scene. Right. You know, that whole like dogs can sense evil kind of thing. Right. So yeah, that, that's usually the line. Yeah. Dogs can sense evil. <laughs> evil people get bit by dogs. Really? That's yeah. it. That's, that's it. Just it. Yeah. If a dog has bitten you, you're a fucker. <laughs> <laughs> so actually to, to uh, make clear, Andrew is a dog owner. And I am a dog owner, sort of. I, I like a caretaker. Yeah, I kind of um, relationshiped into a dog, um, who I like a lot, but we don't ever take to the crags, for because she's mean and uh, hates other dogs, and we know this, and so she doesn't go to the cliff. There it is. Like it's simple as that. Like, Chris we is a home. good dog owner. That's right. why. I agree. There's bad. I agree. There's all. There's no bad good dogs. dogs or bad dogs. There's only good and bad dog owners i would agree with that yeah and dog owners who say that they've never seen that behavior before they might be telling the truth but what that really suggests is that they haven't trained their dog and they don't even know it no they don't know that they haven't trained their dog they just don't their dog isn't trained and they don't know that and the dog does something that's surprising because they haven't invested the time to like make their dog a good fucking dog yeah that's my main point as well is that okay so you admit that you don't know what your dog can do in these types of situations why is it here you know and then invariably there'll be a little kid around too and you're just like okay like what's like add more flame or gas to the to the fire here Wait, what are you what are you saying i'm just saying like usually About it's a dog it's like a dog snarling and you got a problem with kids at the cliff no 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 i've got <laughs> I mean, it's honestly on the same spectrum. <laughs> it is on the same it really spectrum. Is. It probably is. But yeah. no, 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 I just don't want to see a little kid get mauled by a dog. Oh, right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Well, I don't want to get my sandwich eat <laughs> or socks. Yeah. yeah, Chris Parker, if yeah. you're listening right now. <laughs> 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 I mean, dog, his dog is notorious. Oh, yeah, dude. He, that thief. dog is he's stolen a, my lunch. He's like a jewel thief. Multiple dude. times. Yeah. <laughs> the, thing, the thing that I love about dogs is all dogs have one thing about them that. You cannot be trained out of them. Right. That is bad. Right. Like there's, oh, there's just, it's only one, like all the other things can be worked upon. Right. You know, like the, whatever it is, but there's always just this one thing that the, whatever that dog is, he <laughs> cannot help himself from doing. Right. And he needs to do that thing. And no matter how good of a dog owner you it's gonna are, happen. it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that so makes dogs amazing. Right. So basically, uh, that, Bad dog owners should be stabbed in the heart. Yeah. But dogs at the crags are tolerable, you think? Well, responsible dog ownership is tolerable. Right. Yes. If you let your dog just run amok, you know, then that's bad dog ownership. Right. Right. If you have a dog that can't tolerate being tied up because it's too high energy. Right. And that is what is required to 
have your dog at the cliff, then you're a bad dog owner. Don't bring that dog to the cliff. Yep. You know, that's like, if you have a dog that likes being outside and is like chill and likes hanging out with you and you can spend some time paying attention to the dog, giving the dog what the dog needs, doing some climbing. That's a good relationship right there. If you can keep the dog out of other people's shit, the dog's not like annoying people, you know, then you're doing a pretty good job. But if the dog like has that one thing where, you know, it just has to like eat your sandwich or piss on your on your pack or something, (laughs) then, you know, you, you can try to manage that as best you can, but (laughs) inevitably that's going to happen a few times a year. Right. But you have to be conscious of that and like try to try to, you know, manage that one like bad thing that every dog has. Well, I think that the I think that the rise of sport climbing, yeah, and bouldering, has also meant that the rise of dogs and climbing, because you can't. I mean, you can try, and and it's it's actually really. We joked about it a second ago. They're really annoying when you like someone goes and does a multi pitch route and their dogs tied up at the base, like <laughs> barking the whole time. Right. But it really wasn't conducive when climbing was multi pitched and you know these adventures that you would go on and it, and the whole like being close to the ground, staying on the ground thing has really meant dogs. And it's like, you know, I think that they're, I mean, personally, I just think that they're, it's a little out of control. Like, you know, any given Sunday at in rifle or in Indian Creek or whatever, like any dog, any crag has like more dogs and people at sometimes. And it's just, it, 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 again, like, as good as you think your dog is in isolation, you put them around like 10 other dogs. You have no idea what's going to happen. You know, it's like a kennel. The thing that's so annoying to me about some dog owners is they put the training on you when, so like if their dog like runs up to you and they're just like, Oh, just ignore him. Like, don't like, Oh, he's like jumping all over you. Like, just like put your hand up, you know, right. You're like, fuck off. Like, (laughs) I don't need to be training your dog right now. Totally. Like this, this should have been done months ago. <laughs> right. You know, this is your deal. Like, I don't need to be like handling your dog. You need to like get your fat ass down here and take your dog away from me. hundred percent. But so I, but there's bad, that's a bad dog owner. If a dog is coming up to you and jumping on you and harassing you and the dog owner is just like at a distance, like, Oh, just, just like pet him. Or just like, don't look at him. Don't look in his eyes. Right. You're like, don't, whatever you do, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact with him. He's fine if you just don't make eye contact. It's just like, fuck off. All right. So bad dog owners uh, out. Dogs, okay. I mean, I, I, I think that uh, the right dog at the, at the crag is right. a nice thing yeah. to have. And the right zone, too. I mean... And it's there not are just, just some zones that are not appropriate for dogs. Totally. You know, they, they, for example, a delicate desert environment might not be the greatest place for dogs to be digging around and rooting around and shitting everywhere, destroying sensitive soil. Dogs just get fucked up in the desert, in my experience. They get dehydrated. I can't, dehydrated, bring, I can't they believe get, people bring them out there, yeah, but they it's do. It's really you know? like a bad place yeah, for dogs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think there are absolutely some environments that they ought not to be. Craig Steph cats? is going to be really upset. Yes, definitely. Yeah. She doesn't listen. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Craig cats everywhere. <laughs> More, More of those alive More. and well. Dude, I saw Bring a guy em. climbing in rifle this year with a bird on his shoulder. Oh, that's right. You yeah. you told me about like that. Like a fucking bird. parrot or something. Like yeah. a parakeet. Yeah, <laughs> that's wild. 
And then we hear these stories about monkeys at the crags, too. Hefe's told us. We, what? Oh, right. Hefe yeah. said it, then it In has Hawaii? to be true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Craig no, 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 no. Uh, Let's I, not start that. Okay. <laughs> Craig. Hefe told a story. Somebody's of, out there is like, wow, that'd be fucking cool. No, Hefe <laughs> told me a story legit about a rifle in the 90s about a monkey hanging draws on a root and then. My <laughs> God. And damn then, it. And then coming no down way. and raping his ear. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. <laughs> He's so full of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um here's here's a pretty sensitive one. This one's gonna this one's gonna prick up some ears. But um personally I think that uh that wall climbing the moonlight buttress and probably some 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 other routes that maybe we could get into, um it should be it should be it should be put put out to pasture. I think that that one in particular just, just it's 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 become it's actually like the level of free climbing on that is a, is is becoming somewhat pedestrian and uh if you go up there to free climb that route and somebody's up there wall climbing like i don't know how many of my of people climbing, i know yeah, yeah yeah like going up there you know wall climbing hauling the whole thing yeah. have just been like completely shut down because they run into some people like screwing around on some pitch for three and a half hours and uh, so anyway, I'm just putting it out there like Dunsky, like right next to that route are actual aid climbs, like literally like within like a hundred feet on either side are actual aid climbs that are still wall climbs, climb the same exact formation that you, you know, can spend weeks on if you want to <laughs> spend on. But it's like the Moonlight Buttress is a cragging route nowadays. It's no longer like a, a rare thing for part, for multiple free climbing parties to be on there. And even if they're not freeing it, like it's just not a place to be hanging on cams anymore. No. Yeah. Right. Besides the damage that it does. And it, and it does do more damage than free climbing for mm-hmm. sure. And so um, that, I'm just putting that out there like it's over, man. Find something well, else so to walk Moonlight on. Buttress is an obvious one, right? Like, don't don't do that as a wall, rear right. aid climb, and also don't aid climb. Yeah, but but also let's put, not go there. Yeah, that was yeah. an old. Yeah, I think that's an old one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, but what else? Like, because I feel like that's where it gets interesting. Like the Moonlight Buttress is like so within so many people's realm of free climbing now that it should just be off limits to. Uh, aid climbing i mean where does that go next is like the salathe next on the list like it's, i don't think it's there yet but it's getting there yeah i mean that's that's where it starts to get interesting for me is like where's where is that distinction and is it a function of the overall you know abilities of free climbers and what people are doing or is it just like is there a hard distinction that you think can be made based on grade or based like what what are the criteria for deter, determining something to have made that transition from aid to free route i mean my gut feeling would just simply be like a group consensus if there's more majority of groups are going to try to free or move as fast as free as possible as opposed to aiding with and starting ground up with the intent to aid it then it's it's over it's like a just simple democratic decision. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, but climbing is never right, like that organized. Simple. Right, right. So 
you're absolutely right in in kind of wondering what those details are and while you were saying that i was just like no you, it, it's impossible in a way right Be, but you just like the i think it's it's kind of a combination there's like a tide that's come over and and basically like the moonlight buttress is just no longer a wall climb just like you wouldn't you wouldn't go up and clog up Astroman as a wall climb. It was once a wall climb. I mean, Astroman was originally just the southeast face or something. It was called the southeast face of Washington's Calm. There was a point at which everybody just stopped fucking wall climbing that. It did. It wasn't like a group got together, but it right. was like the way after of it, it got all. free soloed by Peter Croft. No, no, it was long before that. <laughs> Maybe free a free solo ascent of a route should should be, definitely. That's, that, yeah, 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 but then yeah, the South yeah. is well, not the South, but most of the South. Would, I mean, would we'll come call, we'll there. call the South a slash free rider yeah, off yeah, limits yeah. now to wall climbing. I just it's been free soloed. Well, I think free rider's never really been a wall climb, you know, in in its form. But that's is but, it how many? It's like three or four. Yeah, pitches. it's only like three yeah. or four pitches off the South yeah. Bay. I just, I mean, the South Bay still, it's still really big. It, I think the weight of history is still behind that, although it's getting thinner and thinner. And plus, even if you're free climbing it, you're wall climbing it, in the sense that you know, a, a party that frees it in five days, they're wall climbing it. They're they're hauling. It's all the same shit. They're going a little faster, but. But the Moonlight Buttress is just, right. it's a day climb. Right. It's right. just like a cragging. I mean, it's 10 pitches or 12 pitches right. or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, that's it's a good like, point. It's over. It's right. like, it's yep. Dunsky, yep. you know? Totally. I mean, if you, you know, it's like, it's a great place to practice. I and mean, that's where everybody says, well, it's such a great place to practice aid climbing. It's like, yeah, but again, you wouldn't practice aid climb on like Shun's Buttress. And it's like, which is also in Zion. And it's like, it's getting into that category. And there are other things, actual wall climbs, again, like Particle Sun on, on uh, Angel's Landing is like a C1 or C2 eight climb. It's like, there's your practice eight climb. It's actually an eight climb. So you're going to actually learn things about eight climbing. Mm. Plugging cams up a perfect, you know, 0.5 crack isn't teaching you shit about eight climbing, mm. you know? So it's like, I just think that one, like the weight of it, the weight, the tide, the, the multiple parties on it, free climbing it. It's just, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, what for if your you wanna, own, for your own, like pride, like don't go aid climb it. What if you want a solo experience and just want to like do a wall as a soloist and the moonlight buttress is your first choice? No, because it's a, you're not going to be soloing. There's going to be people climbing all over you. If you want a solo experience, an actual like, solo like uh solitude experience then it's no good for that anyway what if you want like a solo experience but you want to talk to people <laughs> bring your cell phone you're good <laughs> i don't know if you get cell on time anyway it's just something to think about and and i know it's like yeah it's almost like a kindergarten rule like well i was there first and so if you rock up and see me on my portal edge like it's mine i get it for the next two days or whatever however long it's to take me I, I, I realize that it's not like a, you know, uh, yes, you in, in sort of the old school climbing rules. Yes. You were there first. You get to do whatever you want. It's more of a, I think it's more of a courtesy thing. And also again, like what is your intent? Like you want to climb that f route, you know, go up there and, and free climb on it. If you want to climb that formation, there are actually eight climbs on it that you can go and, and check out. But 
if you're just going to be in the season and get in everybody's way, I just find it to be just discourteous. It just needs to be in guidebooks and everything else. It just needs to be characterized as a free climb. Yeah. I mean, that's. Totally. The, I think that right. would change, make the difference. Yeah. Whatever guidebooks are re- related to Zion, if it's just like 512, whatever it is, yep. D or whatever it is. Well, in the whole history of climbing. That's it. It's yeah. not a C1. Yep. Yeah, right. It's right. just yep. that. Moonlight Butchers, 512D. Right, right. Plan on taking 12 hours, you know, right. for a normal party. You will bring three liters of water. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's not... That's even, kind of the group consensus thing I yeah. was driving at was just when the kind of zeitgeist of that route is, Ooh, it's a free climb. Nice. It's a free climb. Yeah. We just have to listen to our guidebook overlords. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and, you know, it's like... I'm not actually, again, I'm not saying anything radical here. It's the history right. of free climbing. Yeah. Is that, you know, all the, or most of these routes, Yosemite, elsewhere, these big multi-pitch routes were eight climbs. And they're just not anymore. And we all decided that they're not anymore. That you don't go up there with a wall and pitons and blah, blah, blah. You just, you know, go th- somewhere else with that shit. All right. So I think Moonlight is dead. Yeah. As an eight Wait, climb. as an eight climb. As an aid climb, yeah. yeah. Moonlight's well, dead as an aid climb. I think be. it's dead. It should be. I think it should be, but I think it's like dying. It's, yeah. it's definitely so on too. life support. Yeah. I would hope so. Life support, for sure. I would hope so. But that leads us into another topic, perhaps. Which is... <laughs> which is Good the, flow. the term big wall. Oh, man. Yes. What is a big wall? <laughs> well, listen. There's, there's a big wall, and then there's a big wall. <laughs> Explain the difference, Clues. <laughs> big wall. Big wall. Big wall. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that thing is a big wall, right? Yes. 12 pitches, 14 pitches, it's 5'11". It's like, you look at it and you're like, it's that thing's wall. fucking big. Right. And it's a wall. <laughs> but then there's big wall, which involves, you know, multi-day climbing, haul bags, portal ledges, the whole, the whole thing. That's like big wall climbing. That's what climbers use the term yeah, for. Exactly. And like Chris McNamara's like big wall climbing book. Like yeah. they're talking about all that stuff. Right. Not going out and, you know, climbing a 14 pitch route in nine hours. Right. That is a big wall. It's not a big wall. <laughs> hmm. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking it's a big wall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's big and it's a wall. It's a big. I mean, it's wall. a big wall. We're bringing that up because it's, it became like a somewhat of a notorious marketing term or something. Yeah, for like sure. That. Like, it was an SEO thing in your in your Instagram post. Yeah, it was yeah. like yeah, uh, you get more hits and likes right. and everything if you're just like oh big wall climbing. Right. But you're like oh, is it you're multi pitch? You're doing a multi pitch route. It's not a big wall, right? I don't know. So it's a weird distinction. Well, but. it isn't. But I think. I mean, I think. To to be honest with you, like big wall climbing, in my opinion, and, and it's sort of like the. It's glad that you segged into this because the moon wall or the moonlight buttress, when it was originally done, it was done in a multi day ascent with with bags and portal edges or staying on it, and that that was like what it was mostly done as until uh, I believe Peter Croft, right? And um, but that was like Johnny the 70s. Woodward, yeah. So. Yeah. They freed in the right. So most parties yeah. did it that way, and even after it got freed, most parties continue to do that way. My point is, it's no longer being done that way most of the time. It's way more right. often now done as a day climb and a free climb. Right. So, I think the word "typically" 
works really well when you're talking about big wall climb because obviously the nose has been done now in sub two hours. Lots and lots of people do it in a day. But the tactics and typically most parties still climb it overnight. So it's still typically done as in a big wall style. Right. Right. And it's also a big, big wall, wall style or a big wall style. <laughs> it's a big wall and it's also a big wall. <laughs> so I'm really confused right I now. I know, but that's the problem is it's like y'all know what it is, right? I don't know anymore. Okay. I just know it's a big wall. Yeah. <laughs> big wall. All I'm it's it's just about the preponderance of history and what it's typically done as. Right. A big wall climb is requires portal edges. Yeah. Spending the night. Typically. Spending the night. Yes. No, I'm saying that's mandatory. And not by accident. And not by accident. Right. Right. That's that's a big wall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's it. Otherwise you're multi pitch climbing. You're just multi right. you're doing a big route. Yeah. A big wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's joking aside that's it it's a big route you know because otherwise you know if you can just you know call like a long climb that you took you like all day a big wall then it then the word has no meaning it doesn't mean anything anymore because then i mean eldo has big walls because if you connect enough pitches together you're up at nine or ten pitches if you do you know multiple levels and so that's a big wall it's five nine took us nine hours yeah we'll call it a big wall it's like, so, no, it's not. You, you didn't, that's not the style you did it in. It's like a style. Okay. My question right now is if Tommy Caldwell leaves his dog at the base of the nose right. and climbs it in two hours. Yes. Is, is he, he a, a bad, bad dog? dog <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. That dog's barking the whole time. I don't think he comes down the other side and he goes from the east ledges. He goes, oh, he's never done that before. <laughs> Tommy Caldwell doesn't have a dog. I know he doesn't. (laughs) You need a dog, Mr. Caldwell. Those kids are growing up petless. That's right. It's no way to live. (laughs) Maybe they do. I don't know. You never hear about their dog. They could have a hedgehog. (laughs) That's true. Uh, So anyway, yeah, I think, I don't know. We just have to like, the use of big wall needs to be uh, tampered down a little bit. And it's just, I mean, it was a result of, of Don Wall and Free Solo, like, the word big wall just was like good SEO on your posts. It's not good SEO on your posts and it seems to be good marketing. marketing. Yeah, marketing. Right. Yeah. Sponsors. That's what it seems like. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Everything was about a big walls in the last couple of years. Yeah. Still is. Yeah. It's like the it's like Mount Everest. It's kinda of like something that client that non climbers can understand. Right. Right. As being awesome. You right. know. Right. Non-climbers love portal edges. They fucking love them. They fucking love (laughs) portal edges. They're just astounded that you would do that. It's just so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Just the most extreme thing. It totally is. You just (laughs) hang there sleeping. Right. How do you shit? (laughs) (laughs) Which also carries over to Everest, too. You get that, too. How do you shit shit up there? (laughs) How are the dogs? What are the dogs doing at Camp 4? That'd be the day, dude. The dog on the portal edge. You got to haul that dog up. Right. <laughs> That's a big wall. <laughs> Dean Potter style. Yeah, Dean used to. Yeah. What was that dog's name? Willow? Whiskers? Um, uh, what was that? What was Dean's I think it was Willow, wasn't there? Something no. like that? 
It wasn't Wispy? Willow, but it was it was something like that. Yeah, and he used to he used to freaking whisper. whisper. That's it. Yeah. Used to he used to base jump with that dude. Yeah, he used yeah. to base jump with Whisper. I wonder where Whisper is now. Well, he he. Someone's gonna someone email me and tell me because his girlfriend after yeah right okay, after Dean died. So I don't know if Whisper's still around or not. I think he I think he or she would be. She sounds like a she whisper. He's a cute dog. Yeah, totally. Good his, dog. His, his little goggles yeah. on. Remember, he had goggles That's right. on. That's a, I remember base that picture. Jumping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, base jumping dogs. Alive and well. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so. I would think Dean was the only one. That was the only one who did that. Extreme. Um, yeah. <laughs> Where are we? We're done with Big Wall. <laughs> I think that that. T- I think people are still going to be confused by that. Yeah. So um, maybe that's going to be one of our zombie concepts that'll never die. But or just the marketers will hang you on. You just to want it to tap. Dead, yeah. You know, I mean, forever. you want to tap into that big wall juice. Exactly. It's hard not to. Well, exactly. Big bucks. Yeah. That's hard not to. <laughs> and the and the kind of funny thing is, is that within climbing, it's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? And, and Everyone climbs El Cap. Yeah, and, and in some ways, like doing El Cap really slowly now is not even that cool within climbing. I mean, it's really weird. Ask Steven. Hey. We, <laughs> we were up there for ages and ages, and there was like literally like people multiple days coming and passing us the same That's people. Right. Like freaking, <laughs> over and we over saw Brad, Brad R.I.P. Times, yeah. Brad Gobright. Yeah, I mean, he came past us a couple different times. That's right. Just like, you know, like we were standing, it was like that Madonna video where she's like in the street standing still and everybody's moving really fast. That was us. That was us. We were standing right. still and Brad Gobright was just like zipping past us. Groundhog Day. Is this the same day? Yeah, exactly. There he is again. There he is again. Right. Still rainy. Yeah, totally. So, so anyway, it's kind of funny because it's sort of, it, within climbing itself, it's just like, yeah, big deal. You were up there for ages. Just like pecking away at it, <laughs> drinking beers and like smoking weed and, you know, but in the outside world, it's like the coolest thing. The fact that you spent the night, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a problem too with climbing. I mean, just to make this a little serious for a second, I, I, I'm a big fan of um, being slow and heavy in climbing because that's where most people start and, and like learn how the sport works right. and stuff. And you don't hear that in the media, you know, when it's all just like light and fast descents and speed climbs and whatever. Right. It's not, the slow and heavy approach is not, you know, championed as like a great way to do things. And you don't even hear that people do things that way at all until you get out to any crag or go to El Cap or whatever and see that that's how actually most people approach the sport. Right. I just want to throw that out there as something that I hope is uh, is just like a just just to put that out there as a way to that that's like a veritable way to approach the sport slow and heavy take your time learn the ropes you know you're not blitzing up the nose but you're just like spending however many time days it takes to get up it, you learn so much, and that, that's a totally valid way to do. Well, I mean, in the, the big wall climbing, I mean, is couched in slow and heavy. Yeah, right. You know, like the original big wall, the nose was freaking slow, 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 like multi-year slow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's totally true, and and a lot of the lore around it is is slow and heavy. I yeah, mean, you go up there and you spend days. And I made this joke just a minute ago about drinking beers and smoking weed, and it was like, yeah. You know, people were, you know, literally like dragging cases of beer 
in their haul bags. Like, and just don't do it on the south anymore because you'll be in everybody's way. You'll be in everyone's way. It needs to do free climate in a day. (laughs) So, yeah, that's totally true. You're right about the 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 program about like everything's trying to go fast, go fast, go fast, and it's like going fast is literally killing people. Mm. You know, it literally is. Like this whole obsession with speed is, uh, I think, and I think we're going to see more of it to be, you know, take this a little bit seriously, but. Well, so this is, uh, we, we kind of put this on our list tentatively to talk about speed climbing. Um, you know, the, the real rock tour this year has, uh, the no speed record as part of their film, their lineup. But this goes back to, um, I guess my comment goes back to, you know, like Steve house when he was at the height of his Alpine career and he was talking about light and fast and all the companies that were sponsoring him were all like championing their Gore-Tex shells as being light and fast, whatever gear. Right. And it was just like a big deal at that time. And it was just like, hold on a second. There's a completely great way to interact with the mountains, which is bring a tent, bring all your food, bivy all the way the fuck up your route and enjoy the you know the moonshine and the the stars and like have like a cool experience with your partner that is slow and takes a long ass time and is heavy you know whatever that does not get translated into all of the you know the ads we see in the climbing world the you know the the stories that make news the films we see but that's like a completely valid way to approach our sport. And that, that need, that that's where that comment comes from is take the slow approach, especially if that's where your skill level is, because the, the light and fast people are and the speed climbers are at a different level and they don't need, you know, they've, they've paid their dues. They've done the, the slow and heavy way and that's where they are. But, um, but yeah, slow and heavy is like a good, it's totally valid and a good mantra, I think, for a lot of people to adopt. So do you think that speed climbing... And actually, when you brought that one up, I was I automatically went to the freaking Olympics. So did I. Um, <laughs> the whole speed climbing thing, which, which is alive and well. Um, but in a couple of years, yeah. we're going to stop worrying about... It's going to, at least in the, in the Western sort of zeitgeist, it's, to, to take your word from earlier. Sure. Is going... The gestalt. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the same though is i don't it? think it is okay but anyway um uh emil you <laughs> if you will um, i think like in a that's gonna we're gonna forget about that again because they've oh, changed yeah. the format but that's it neither here nor there the speed climbing thing i feel like it, it may be the 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 real rock the the sub two hour nose thing i mean that's actually probably put a little bit of a of a nail in the coffin of that whole game, at least it, trying to break the record. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess you can go for personal bests, but personal bests don't drive people the way the yeah. all-time record is. Yeah, no, I think the nose record hit a bit of an apogee, and, and there's not going to be... I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what the next generation is going to do, but uh, I it seems to be very close to the limit right this is like a physics problem of moving matter from one point to another yeah that just there it takes time it's like quantum physics you know unless you can unless you can like do some sort of quantum ascent of the nose (laughs) where you like appear in two places at the same time there's a wormhole that we discovered (laughs) through texas flakes 
<laughs> it reduced our. You know, we actually arrive at the top before we've left the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Birdwell found it in '68. Right? Just in time to drop my dog. He took a shit down there, and <laughs> dropped an acid di- dip, and then he and found the pile in. of shit on the summit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he knew it was the same because there was a cigarette butt in it that he'd accidentally swallowed. <laughs> <laughs> that's a true story it's classic true. you know yeah, guys classic. ever heard that <laughs> sub two minute ascent <laughs> but yeah seriously yeah, it's classic. wormhole yeah. find the texas flag <sighs> yeah it's there it's people know about it just, right you gotta drop like not just acid but the right kind of acid. right yeah from you have to find like it in it's like a in a time capsule from 1976 <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's never been made again so you have to microdose up to sickle edge and then just really go into full speed <laughs> yeah but I, in all seriousness i think that like with these recent you know um there's been some tragedies around speed climbing there's been some close calls around speed climbing uh may, maybe people are gonna mellow out a little bit with it it's so know? dangerous yeah I mean, it's more dangerous than like what Alex Honnold did, free soloing. In some ways, in yeah. Some ways, yeah, I it does seem that way. And I, you know, they tried to minimize it in the in the real rock film and make Tommy like come out as this like safe yeah. guy, but yeah. he was still taking hundred footers. That's crazy. Totally. And they all just took, you know, they just centered on that one cam placement he did. It sort of, and he did that to honor Quinn as mm. much as to be safe. I think. Right. Yeah. And then the rest of it was totally balls to the wall, fucking sketchy. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. But and I, I don't know. I feel like there's maybe, yeah, maybe it's a little bit on life support. And thanks to that nose record, that's you know, those two guys doing that. Like, who's who's going to step up to try to beat that? You know. So, and that may be a good thing because, as they point out in there, um, you know, what other people were doing, and in this case, uh, Brad and Jim, but but even other people were doing it was getting pretty sketchy you mm-hmm. know? and it's probably the nose hadn't seen i don't think it's seen sort of a really big you know specifically going for the record speed climbing accident but it was probably inevitable if it just kept yeah. banging it out like that well hans broke his legs yeah that's right he wasn't trying to break the record i no, guess but, at that time but it's it just, just like yeah same yeah, stuff it just like adds to that idea yeah and you just watch that film and you're like both Tommy and Alex are falling on 510 and right. take, you know the same spot yeah, yeah which is weird um yeah so yeah i think it's on life support yeah it's on life good support. riddance yeah good i mean like the nose got done in less than 2 hours let that let's like let that be a record for yeah. a while yeah go work on the dawn wall slowly heavily <laughs> yeah shall we move indoors um sure yeah so this one is uh is just a pet peeve, but uh Okay. I like And it peeves. actually may be on life support for mm. some recent developments. But uh belay tests mm. in climbing gyms. Oh man. <laughs> Steve just, just went through this. Just passed. Just passed. Right. At uh movement boulder. That's right. Yeah. Thank God it's a one or a zero type situation. There's there's no A, B, C, D, because I would have gotten like a What's passing? C minus? Yeah. 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 That's what I would have gotten. It's been a while. I haven't been in a gym in 10 years. 
like a real gym where I had to test out. Right. So, what or happens? you know, I've been like bouldering, but I just hadn't had to like rope climb and actually test out. But you know how to belay. I do know how to belay, remarkably. You know, according to the belay test, I, I wouldn't know how to belay. You've caught me. I've caught you plenty yeah, of times. Yeah. I've caught a lot of people plenty of yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, they, th- it's a lot of lawyering bullshit. And, uh, wait, describe, tell, you have to tell the story. Yeah. So we, we go in after we, uh, Calus and I, the, the we, and, uh, we went in after we saw our friends give a great presentation in Boulder. Uh, and, uh, I was a little hungover, I'm not going to lie, but we went in and they gave, I was told that, uh, I'd take this test. It'd be a, uh, with an ATC or a Grigri. Right. Right. And our a mutual friend and friend of the show, she she's been on the show several yeah, times. Yeah, Jamie Logan. Right? Jamie was Logan. There. Um, and they, she and and Chris start giving me a hard time about uh, how up to speed I am on the the local or not local, but I guess regional testing etiquette. Sure, with a grigri. With a grigri. Yeah, because the, you go to a gym and and the grigri uh, protocol is very specific. It's very by the book, and right. I think. Um, out in the out in the sort of outdoor climbing world, there's there's some variations. Um, and the older you are, and the more early you started using a Grigri before it was kind of set in stone, the more fucked up your belay technique probably is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to believe that there's a Petzl manual out there that like proves that I was doing it correctly, but that was like from eight years ago, and that it was a newer Grigri, and there's mm-hmm. a newer technique that's safer. But in this particular instance. We're sitting in like a Greco-Roman amphitheater, and <laughs> I take out the Grigri, and then I'm being told that I'm being watched. And so if I'm doing it wrong, I'm a, like, Big Brother's watching me, yeah, and they're like, watching. we're going to release Stop, the drop, lions. Drop the Grigri immediately. Here's an ATC. Do you know how to do it with an ATC? I was like, I think so. <laughs> and that, that, you know, and, and, then it's, and then it's like a guillotine. You're like, if you don't pass, you're done. You're done, you're done son. You're going, to the, you're going to the bouldering section with the nerds. They like, just open the cages, and the lions come out and just exactly. eat your Exactly. Thumbs down. <laughs> exactly. That's what Chris and I were actually saying. Yeah. We were joking about that later. And, uh, yes. Yeah, so then I went up, and there's this like twenty. Well, we were trying to get under your skin a little bit. Sure, 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 sure. Jamie, Which, both of us. Jamie was like, doing a great oh, job. Oh man. Oh dude. Right. <laughs> That's not right. I was in the system, so I didn't have to. What do were it. you doing? What were, what well, I, I just uh, the way I gripped the Grigri, I had my hand like lower right hand underneath it a little bit. <laughs> which I Andrew's guess is shaking his head. Right. This is a no no. I. You're, you're supposed to only have your the finger. Cam. I wasn't death gripping any cam. I, I have my hands around the sides, and I can easily any hand pay on out. a Grigri is a no no. Exactly, right. that's you what thumb. I thought. That's right. all you get now is the thumb. I thought it was only the forefinger. Well, the forefinger right. looks under the foreskin, the little flip over <laughs> right. That technique you, is so Jengas. And then you it's put terrible. your thumb on there. It felt so loose. Like I, I just felt like with any shift, yeah. say a dog ran into my rope, right. it would just come right out of my hands. Yeah. It, you don't want the green green in your hands. That's the point. No, that's, I, wouldn't that's have, the I wouldn't have it anywhere. It would yeah. just be dangerous. That's the whole I, I need to teach you some shit. <laughs> if you're yeah. gripping it, then... Oh, no, I got the, I told, the lowdown. I, told, I explained it to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're no, you gripping need to learn it, my can, method. Yeah, you can open it. Oh, you have a, the a method. The method. My method guaranteed, is... My method is superior. Guaranteed for passing wait, 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 wait. gym tests. Yeah, yeah, for this, passing You should gym? sell this on the internet. No, for, I know I know how to pass a, a Grigri <laughs> test, but as soon as those people leave, I do my own way. Exactly. That's exactly what we did. Right. Right. Because not only did he pass on an ATC... 
But as soon as they left, we gave the ATC back to Jamie and started playing on the <laughs> I on just the tie Bolins and do my own way. Do you tie Bolins? No, you yeah. do not. You no, do? you in the do. Gym? I fucking do because I'm, I'm a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little bit of a death wish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, anyway, so, so yeah, belay tests, man. They're stressful. They're stressful. It's, it's and, brutal. I mean, I I try not to fall into like the old guy, fucking like you know how long I've been climbing, motherfucker, dude. But it's hard not to when like oh, some so half yeah, stone like, like twenty one teenager right. is like totally. getting up in your grill about testing your ability to catch someone if They're they so fall. Funny. I mean, I yeah. will say this guy was nice. He did. he was super nice, okay. and and yeah. if he's listening. He had this amazing poker face. He did. Like, he just didn't reveal anything. Yeah, the they're nice, but testing. they don't know anything. And it's just frustrating to have people who are experts have to take a belay test right. and have to, well, do, exactly. have to change the way that they do it, which is better in order to be approved by the person who's been taught that there's only one way to do it. That was my kind of thought. Yeah. Was, it's, this seems a little counterproductive. Yeah, yeah, but it's lawyer stuff. It's lawyer stuff, for sure. Yeah, it's your people. It is my people. Yeah. yeah. What's it's the deal? I mean, like, can we just get rid of belay? T- I mean, get rid of insurance companies. Yeah, I don't think That's we can get rid is. of a belay test, but well, we, can't, you sign a waiver, right? Right, right. And but the insurance it. won't insure the comp, the the bouldering gym if they don't have a test in, in place. A standardized, right. yeah, a standardized. That's it. That's yeah. all it comes down to. I would think so. I worked in a in a gym in LA. Okay. In LA, yeah, baby. And uh, and I was a belay tester. Hello. Holy actually, shit, the enemy. <laughs> oh, you guys didn't know that, did you? You didn't even thought of it until now. No, I had no exactly. idea. Exactly. God so damn it. I was the enemy. And here's the thing is yes, 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 you are testing, at least in my opinion, in the way I did things, you are testing their actual ability to catch somebody. But you're also sort of taking the temperature of who this dude is and whether or not you like whether or not he's going to be like you and just like turn around and start. You knew. You, I, I would have known that you were going to start tying in with your bowl on, bowl on as soon as I walked away. I could tell just by the way you were looking at me. And so you could, you could get a – I mean, you, you couldn't necessarily fail somebody that was like giving you the creeps. But you definitely in that interaction, you could be like, all right, I needed to keep an eye on this cat because he's or she is either – just got taught in the parking lot, which was, again, <laughs> obvious, like right. a mile away. Okay, their buddy just taught him in the parking lot because we actually had a – and I think a lot of gyms have a strict, like, you can't come in and, like, spend 45 minutes teaching your pal right. How and then take the test, which is what I was getting when you guys were down in the amphitheater. No, totally. I was like, you guys Dude. are going to get in trouble, but right. maybe they don't Lions have that policy. Lions are going to come out. Yeah. <laughs> you knew that when that happened. So, you know, it, it was just kind of like – of a taking of the pulse, mm. if you will. Yeah. Which I think maybe is arrogant on my part, but it was definitely like, all right, this person is good, but you know, any, 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 regardless of what they did, you knew as soon as, almost like as soon as they picked up the carabiner. Mm. Yeah. You could just mm. tell if yeah. someone knew what they were or they're doing. trying yeah. to tie in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, they're figure like, eight and you're literally like, like mm-hmm. they're fu- like, you don't know how to open that gate. Do you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. And, and anybody else is just like, bam, bam, snap, snap. And this was like pre or just around the Grigory stage. Right. right. It was coming in and we were actually having trouble with the protocols because the lawyers hadn't gotten on the Grigory quite yet. Right. 
I just I, I actually love play tests because I never know what kind of person I'm gonna get. Yeah, totally. And they're just like so interesting. Like <laughs> like this one dude, he was just like, All right. No back stepping, no back clipping. <laughs> and I was just like no back stepping. Like kind of hard move. He's like, trying to like, step behind the rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, what he meant. Right. But I was but just he like, was using the wrong term. Huh? Yeah. Like I can't like back step. Yeah, totally. <laughs> How am I supposed like, to climb this? What? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I just didn't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I found to be the most uh, embarrassing thing was, and maybe I got tricked into this from Jamie, was the the calling out. She was like, "Make sure you say." On belay and climbing and climb on climber and, commands. And then I so was climber commands. No, you you said nothing. You you responded to nothing, and I kept saying it over and over again and over again and over again, and you said nothing. I did it like four times, and I stared at my tester's face to be like, "I've said it. I'm doing like, it. If this homeboy's not doing it. I'm Fail climbing. that guy <laughs> totally. Fail the enormous cast. Kick his ass out of here." Put him into the bouldering boat pen, you know. So yeah, I you need I, like an old timey like script for that too. <laughs> exactly, like, that's, sir. It's like, I can't believe I'm saying. I this. inquire your belay <laughs> yeah, skills. Exactly. <laughs> Do I have ye permission? <laughs> so I was just hearing about something that like one giant conglomerate like has purchased ninety percent of the gyms oh, in the yeah, country we're or something Monopoly, like that. Amazon. Yeah, so. If that ever happens, Bezos. and there's been like some pushes with uh, the American Alpine Club to have a universal belay test, and I I posted something on the Facebook page, mm. normally has a Facebook page, and and it got as many comments as anything I've ever posted, mm. pretty much because people are not are like sick and tired of this whole belay test thing, where they go to and they show up a year later and they right. you know they, they don't they have do their, it again they don't have their right. fucking zip tie yep. or their card or like. You know, whatever little jangly thing that they put on your harness to show that you know what you're doing. Right. And they got to redo this stuff. And the AC apparently tried to come up with a, a, you know, some car or something you could just walk in and be like, boom, I know a how to Scarlet B on your lapel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's if you, if you don't pass. If you don't pass, that's exactly. You get branded <laughs> on your forehead, dude. <laughs> That would have really made me sweat. To wear like, yeah. a, a, like a cable knit sweater with a giant, a giant, a giant cape in the back. B. You're bouldering with a cape. Exactly. <laughs> so the, Look at know. that loser. <laughs> they know if you try to sneak into the bouldering That's area. Right. Or into the rope climbing area. You gotta wear the cape. You gotta wear the cape. <laughs> <laughs> Whose cape is this? There's one on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's that guy. You're like struggling with the green green. Shit. <laughs> anyway, I think the lawyers or somebody shut down this whole belay test thing, like a universal belay test thing. But now that like lawyers, all these gyms get lawyers. networked, I just don't see why it couldn't be done because you waste so much staff time. Yeah. You know, if the place is busy yeah, and, that was and the there's deal. like it was one, one dude. Yeah. And he's got to abandon the desk to go give us like a 15 minute belay mm-hmm. test. Like, it doesn't like, you know, resources and money wise, it seems like it would be easier to do some database of a universal test. And yeah, maybe it expires. Let's say it's like every three or five years or something like that, you know, in case you lose digits on Everest or whatever and you right. can't do it anymore. <laughs> Driver's license style. Yeah. So, yeah. but it just seems like it would be a better use of resources than having your staff have to like, multitask on a busy day when every you know monkey needs a freaking belay test and that's also why they're so strict is because they don't they don't have time to sit there and instruct you and like the fine like 
have some sort of you know nuance to it's like no you just failed right like i gotta Sorry. go back i gotta go yeah. back to the desk because there's like 30 kids lining up for a birthday party <laughs> right. and it's time for me to get on board with that so a universal check system you know modern computers internet-based cloud-based whatever you want to say just seems to make sense to me and then i mean the next step is obviously uh a robot that can belay you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then you don't even need a partner. Yes, it has a pleasant face, and you know, <laughs> maybe you could go out for a drink afterwards. <laughs> I think they have yeah. that in Japan already. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> that would change the sport of climbing. Exactly. If I didn't have to climb with people, <laughs> I would be such a better climber. <laughs> That's true, actually. <laughs> Although they, the, the, the your belay bot has a has a camera to make sure to capture all right. your ascents. Yeah, that's so right. Exactly. No moral lines. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Uncut footage of your ascents. <laughs> right. In the, in the, oh, uh, this is a good idea. In the brain yeah. of the of the yeah, because that would cure all these you know, these pro climbers maybe lying about their ascents problems too. Belay robots that's right. with cameras <laughs> that download to the cloud. And Done. then, and then, and Done. there would also be like all the footage of you just yelling at your robot, like, <laughs> "Lower me! Not that far! Not that fast! <laughs> Damn it, Android! <laughs> That's where the Terminator comes from. Rock hits it in the head. The eyes turn red. <laughs> That's where it started." John Connors has to come back to kill your belay robot. I paid a lot of money for this thing. You don't understand. <laughs> anyway, I think that belay I think I think that belay tests are actually on life support. I think that they're they're just it just it feels inevitable to me that there's some sort of universal all or most or all gyms except like the database you you were checked. I and, hope so. That'd be great. And, and maybe the test you just is, upload it to your Amazon Prime account exactly. And you're just yeah, like, and or your you're Apple ID or whatever, right. and uh, that you can never remember the password <laughs> yeah, to. <of> but <laughs> but the thing is, in, in all seriousness, it it you know. It would have to be a stricter test, but it would be fine. Like you go through it one time and it was strict and then you're good to go. Because it doesn't matter. Like you could still fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they're watching you. You still have to do a waiver, right? Like to cover the gym's ass. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, blade tests, life support. It'll be sad when we don't have to take blade tests. (laughs) (laughs) I I gotta say. It'll be sad. Right of passage. Because it's so just funny. Going under an alias. It's so funny. Just going under an alias. People who get belay tests don't know the sh- what the fuck they're talking <laughs> exactly. about. They really don't. Yeah. Like most people. Well, and then there, I always like the tratty guy that wants to like talk about how it's a little different out th- outdoors. Now, if you were outdoors, <laughs> yeah, you just you would, you it, would do it this way. If but you're we're getting not outdoors, if you're getting into an argument with the person giving the belay <laughs> test in a gym, you lose. You're yeah. losing <laughs> at climbing totally. right yeah, now. Totally. <laughs> But a lot of times they want to like, you know, it's all about a signifier about who they are. How sweet they are. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. but you should, if you're, if you know what you're doing, you should be able to just do whatever you like my, want them to do. If I was a belay tester, you want me to I belay would, this way? Okay, whatever. I'll belay yeah. this way. It's like, it's not that big a deal. Like, yeah. you should be able to do that to like beat the test. If I was a belay tester, everything I would say would be like, yeah, but when I was on the free rider. Yeah. <laughs> 
the free rider exception. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, this thrown is out yeah, exactly. at every single. Dude, the diamond is at altitude. <laughs> so you don't play and like the Grigri that. faces this way. <laughs> a rifle, a rifle, just don't even touch your Grigri. Just leave it dangling loose. Exactly. Yeah, right. Point to the right. and mime and undercling with your hand above your head. That's how it's done. <laughs> All right. Um, that was fertile fruit right there. <laughs> Belay test. Belay test. I didn't think that was gonna that was gonna be a topic. Um, what should we do? <laughs> stuff sacks. Do you have something you want to talk about? Dude, that? stuff sacks are something that bugs me so much. This isn't really a climbing thing, though, is it? Well, it's a yeah, it's an outdoor gear thing. Okay. I hate that outdoor companies have their tolerances set <laughs> on their stuff sacks at like zero. So, like whatever gear it is, you buy like a harness or a sleeping bag or whatever jacket, it is. Yeah, yeah jacket. Yep. The fucking stuff sack that is, you're supposed to put the gear in is set at like the manufacturer default where it's like vacuum packed right. into it. Just make it bigger. Right. Just make it bigger. Right. All of us want it bigger. Right. We all want it bigger. So we don't have to like fight our stuff sacks to put our gear away. Just make it bigger. They just want the dimensions small on the I don't plastic. care. That's exactly I don't yeah. care what they want. Yeah. I want my stuff sacks bigger. It is a climbing thing because where I've encountered this a lot of times is actually on big walls, on a portal ledge, <laughs> like cold hands trying to like stuff the last ounce of sleeping bag into the <laughs> tiniest stuff sack in the You're world. You're just up on the moonlight buttress like <laughs> right. trying to like put your stuff sack away <laughs> because there's like a line of there's like a line of free climbers. There's free climbers like below get, you, and wait. you're trying to put your sleeping bag away. Yeah. I'm just like, hold on, you guys. I've almost got it. Then you can play through. I was your first, though. I was. I did get up earlier than you guys did. Just to put my sleeping bag away. Please just do that. That's all I ask. It's like, it's like one, two extra grams it's just, of material. Just like make it a right. little bit bigger. Yeah. It's like the black... Uh, I don't want to plug like gear on your show, but that's like, fine. The black diamond rope bag that they have, mm -hmm. which is just like a tarp with like no buckles or anything. Right. I love that because there's like no tolerance. Just the rope just like folds into it mm -hmm. and it's like sloppy and it looks right. like shit. I love that. Yeah. That's what I want all my shit to look like. <laughs> just like sloppy and like crappy and like not like a neat but no little effortless though. Yeah, an effortless. Yeah, right. yeah effortless, like right. that's that. Effortless. I'm going for effortless. Right. Like, yeah. I I don't want it to look like some neat little, you know. Yeah, you're not uh, like a Marie Kondo yeah. like unfortunately right. gear thing. You know, like right. I want it to just be like a sloppy right. pile of gear that with like that's kind of organized. Tiny stuff sacks are alive and well and are not going anywhere. <laughs> not going anywhere. Dude. It doesn't matter because they have to. They have to show the dimensions to be tiny. I'm, I'm going to rage against this okay. because this Do is going to be my pet peeve. Well, start yeah. a gear company where it's uh, your whole thing is that our yeah. stuff sacks are huge. <laughs> <laughs> huge sacks will be my company. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's that's a million dollar fucking idea right there. Oh, yeah, there We're go. just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, Andrew's looking for investors. <laughs> Andrew's looking for that was a horrible whiskey burp. <laughs> Did I but mention? not from the bad whiskey. No, I know. It's did great you, did I mention our sponsor? 
Um, yeah. Brooklyn, but we can mention them again. Brooklyn. Distillery? Distillery. Brooklyn? Yeah, Brooklyn. What we figured out was that the name Brooklyn, uh, which is B-R-E-U-C-K-E-L-E-N, is actually the original spelling of Brooklyn, New York, when it was a... The Dutch. Uh, the Dutch spelling. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where that comes in. It's pronounced the same. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. And, we were uh, pronouncing it all crazy. Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn. And I've only ever communicated um, via social media with these guys. So I didn't exactly know how to how to uh, pronounce it. But, but it's just Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. So check it out. Again, a fine whiskey. Whiskey is not a place to save money. But they're not like expensive whiskey. No, it's not terribly expensive yeah. anyway. 40 bucks a bottle or something? Yeah, 45, 46. I saw a couple different ones, but... Uh, I mean, they I'd also make like 6, uh, 12, 10 Yeah, bottles. they make a bunch of different types of whiskey, wheat, corn, rye. They also make gin, and I think that was nice. the original thing nice. that they were distilling. So right. anyway, they also are big fans of the show, and while they're, you know, wiping out those giant vats, they're listening to the Enormacast, so that's how we all got in touch. Um, so check them out at brkdistilling.com. Don't don't skimp on whiskey, people. That's just like a <laughs> recipe for disaster, actually. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so we there's a lot of uh, this episode that's funny, and then there's stuff we that... We think so, anyway. Yeah, we think so. <laughs> We've been having fun. Um, but we think about like what's happened in the climbing world in the last year. And that's kind of informed where our ideas for the show go. And, um, uh, you know, of course we lost like some great people this year. And one of them was Brad, Brad Gobright. Um, and I, one of the things about his death that kind of struck me was, um, you know, there's a lot of like near misses or like fatal tragic accidents that have happened in the climbing world that have taught us things, you know, like the story of Lynn Hill, like not tying a knot in the end or not tying her knot properly and falling from 70 feet in the gunks. And, you know, she obviously she didn't die, but it could happen to Lynn Hill too. like check your knot like that. And every beginner rock course since then, unfortunately for Lynn Hill, evokes Lynn Hill as as like even Lynn Hill. Well, you know some some of these, you know, celebrity accident. It's like a weird way to phrase it, but famous climbers who have done things that either kill them or have caused their close calls uh, are informative in a lot of ways for so many people. Um, you know, I think about Todd Skinner and how he died. Basically, he just like had a junky ass harness, and he should have had an replaced his harness, and he didn't. And his harness failed, and he fell to his death. You know, there's like the whole thing about his daisy chains clipped to his gear, uh, his belay loop that was part of that. But you know, he should have had an. He should have had newer gear. Replace your harness once a year. Like, don't climb on junky gear. Right. Like, that, that, those kinds of lessons, like, I think really stick with people and they're really important. Now, you know, we're not that far off on Brad Gobright's death. Um, so I don't know if this is like appropriate to talk about now, but I just, I've, his, he, he was simul rapping and they, they made an error and he was the one who paid with his life. 
um, weird story, but the the topic of simul wrapping is something that Chris and I have talked about in the wake of that, and that's a something that I've done, you know, a number of times in the past, and it's always made me feel uncomfortable doing. Like it just feels sketchy, and you know, Chris, you brought up some great points about it, like what is the real time-saving benefit of simul repelling? And I think that's a worthy topic to talk about now. Like we're in this moment of losing one of the best climbers in our sport. Simul repelling accident was the cause of his death. Let's talk about that. Is he like, is this something that we should be doing going forward now? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's like a, it's a technique that, you talked about the slow and heavy, which is what most of us do most of the time. And this kind of falls into that same category of it being sort of a a thing that, you know, I, I don't even want to go as far as say elite climbers do, but it's definitely something that, ex, you know, experienced climbers or climbers up at the upper end tend to do a little bit. Although I've heard about it being something, you know, causing problems with all levels of climbers, but I don't think it, it ever like occurred to me until well into my, my climbing career. And it's all based on this speed thing on this idea that every second saved is somehow better than, than going a tiny bit slower. And what you said about me talking about evaluating the system and I've evaluated the system and I am somebody, I, you know, I don't, I don't like to talk about speed or going fast. I like to talk about efficiency and I'm someone, you know, who climbs multi-pitch routes and in, in places like the black Canyon, um, on El Cap or whatever. And, you know, obviously there are times in climbing when going fast is literally safer. You know, you're going, you're going to beat that storm. You're going to beat the dark or whatever it happens to be. So I like to think about my climbing in terms of efficiency and, and, I just had long determined, and, and somewhere I have a, either a thread about this on my Facebook page or something like that, but I've been in this debate before, and I've evaluated it, and I just, the the kind of, the the risk that comes from having to act in tandem with each other, and again, the real problem ended up being knots in the end of the rope or not being in knots in the end of the rope, and as an aside, the whole thing about the knots is that the whole reason you're simul climbing is to go fast. And one of the things that most people will do when they're going fast is, is disregard the knots in the end of the rope because they can get hung up. It takes a few minutes to tie them. You know, you've got to, you've got to have your, both your ends in your hand to tie both the knots. So unfortunately, most of the time when you're trying to go that fast and shave seconds here and there, one of the things that a lot of, a lot of these guys shave is put knots at the end of the rope and, and, and repelling. So that aside, you know, I just have the only place I see that it saves time. Simul repelling. Simul repelling is the time it takes for your partner to descend the rope to where you are. The so second let, person. The second person. So let's say it's a 30 meter repel. Okay. You've got your rope. You got a single rope, a 70 meter rope, but it's, let's say it's 30 meters. So if, if you go down first and you're at the belay, the time lost is whatever time it takes for your partner to descend that rope. Okay. So your partner is up there waiting for you to get off the rope. You say, I'm off repel. Meanwhile, you actually are, are, are going to start to, to sort out that belay there, 
put the end through, you know, get everything untangled because inevitably your rope tangles up because it usually spins when you're rappelling, that kind of thing. So how long does it take, you know, a good climber, an experienced climber to set up and rappel 30 meters? A minute? Yeah, a couple minutes. At at the most, right? A couple minutes. Some of that time you've sort of made up in the fact that you're down there dealing and by the time he gets there, you've dealt which is something that had to be do, had to be done anyway. So let's say you save a minute and thirty seconds per rappel in a ten pitch route or a twelve pitch route, but let's say ten so the math's easy. You know, it's like you've saved fifteen minutes over the the this this multi hour or you know at least you know a, quite a long descent. Is that really like is that fifteen minutes worth the risk of? what has to happen in tandem where you both arrive at the anchor, you both unweight the rope together. Um, you're both repelling on a single strand, which to me always feels fucked up, especially if you're on like a, um, if you're on an ATC, you're on a Grigory, not so much, but you know, it's just one of those things where is the, is the extra weirdness of the risk worth those few minutes over time? What did that 15 minutes get you? What did it get Brad or what would it have gotten him? Yeah, you know? no, yeah, it, it's, it seems like, it feels like it's faster, I guess, like, you're both going down at the same time, it, it feels faster, but I think that I hadn't considered the, the way that you just uh, framed that dilemma until you said it like that, you know, and it's like very much not a lot of time like and it's a lot more scale. risk basically. Yeah. It's a lot more risk with not much time. Well, and the, and the other thing is that when you guys, when you both arrive at the belay anchor together, there's a delay in, you know, it's not like you both snap into the belay and you both come off belay at the same time. Right. There is, there is a bit of delay there. And that's what I'm saying. Like some of the time, you know, I'm, when I think about it, when I'm calculating it efficiency wise, you think about, okay, let's say it's two minutes for that person to descend that 30-meter rope. But some of that time is, is, is negated in the fact that the person that's already down there is getting ahead of the game with right. setting some stuff They're up. They're threading the rope through the And anchor, the fact is, is when the two people it. arrive, there's always a little confusion. So there's, you know, there's a little delay there. And I just don't, I mean, it just doesn't add up yeah. to me. You what know? were the circumstances in which you were... Similar repelling. Were you chase, getting chased by a storm? Were you no, no, wanting to nothing go fast? like that. It, honestly, it was. I was, and it's just an honest question. I'm not. Yeah, I was a uh, Gumby in Yosemite and climbing with someone who I don't even remember who this person's name was, and just you know we did like a I don't know a ten pitch route on Middle Cathedral or something, and and he was just like dude some are repellings where it's at like ah. and i was like okay sure yeah let's do it you know and, and so Which sounds familiar yeah it's yeah. like uh, that was the situation for me i was like and right. it felt faster i was like wow i feel like you know it was sketchy sure i was like sure. i don't like the fact that there's only one rope in my hand right yep. now and I don't like that my life is literally dependent on what that guy oh next to me is doing right um, but you know, like we were moving down together and it, it felt like it was faster. Mm-hmm. I, was, I could see the appeal. Yeah. And, but conceptually um, it makes sense, right? Like just two people. Coming yeah. The conceptually same time. it makes you sense. Talk, you can maybe even see each other. You get right to the anchor at the and, same and, time. And then, you know, like on the route we were doing, it was like, you know, clean repels. Right. So you could right. see the rope below yep. you and you're like, okay, this is like fine. Right. Um, 
and you could see the anchors. So, you know, yeah, yeah. it's just like clean see, Yosemite like thing. slab faces. So, but but the the context of it was, you know, just like a partner that I hadn't. I don't have a lot of experience with that. I don't even know who this person is to this day. Sure. You know, this happened so long ago. He suggested this. I was open to it. We did it. It felt, to me, it felt like faster. It was like a new technique I had learned. I'd never done it before. It was the first time I had done it. And what did you climb? I don't remember. I don't even remember the route. It was, it was on Middle Yosemite. Cathedral. So, yeah, it was something on Middle... I, I remember it was on Middle Cathedral. Right, and so the and question... And I don't remember the climber. Right. I don't remember the route, but it was just like... It was yeah. just like a thing that yeah. we had done. But and, the question what I have is, was there an external reason to go faster? No, there's right. no that reason. That was my question. There's no yeah. reason other right. than you just wanted to be off the mountain. Right, right. Which is... Then you're like, well... Off the big wall. Yeah, off the big wall. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, then you're just like, well, if there's no compelling reason to go faster, like, oh, shit, the storm's coming Well, repelling right. sucks. Or I mean, that's gonna the reason. we're going to miss the bus out of, out of uh, you know, out of the Zion yeah, Canyon exactly, or whatever. Right. Yeah, but I think your point is, like, very valid here because you're not faster. That's what it's you're saying. Yeah, faster, not much right? faster. It's really not much faster. Right. Yep. And it's a fuck ton a more, more dangerous. Risk. Yeah. It's yeah. a fuck ton more risk. I mean, you got to like, <clears throat> the time it takes to coordinate, getting on the rope together, un- unclipping from the anchor together, all those sorts of things. And then, yes, if everything is nice, straight up and down, then okay. Like, yeah. I'm starting to get it. But as soon as there's a, a rappel that's weird, yeah. uh, a sideways thing where yep. you have to swing around something, yep. then... Like, shit gets haywire really, really fast. And, like, yeah. one of the things, um, you know, the Astro Slog Descent, which is, is the descent on the south side of the, of the uh, um, in, in the Black, Black Canyon, Canyon, right? It's for Astro Dog for a bunch of different, tag your time, a bunch of different popular routes. And, you know, that has some weird shit where there's, like, one rappel where you have to go and you have to hook your rope over this. The first person has to hook their rope over this... Uh, you know this flake to make the rope go down to the next anchor straight and then then it gets flipped off and then you pull in your partner and you know if someone went down there like oh we're gonna just blow this descent so fast and got on the simul and and didn't know about that and got over there i mean it's like a would be a super risky maneuver summer repelling Mm. you know and what did it get you And, and at that point i think making that pitch work that one repel work on some repel would eat up all the other time that you possibly maybe had saved and it just is like i mean i'm like getting a little bit like sweaty pump thinking about uh simul repelling that particular descent for example let's talk about real quick let's talk about um knots in the end of your ropes when you're repelling mm-hmm. a multi-pitch route because right. That's an uncomfortable conversation because we all know what the most safe way to do it is, and nobody does it. Nobody pull, puts knots in the end of the rope all the time. Why is that? Because I mean, like, I mean, like I know why, but like, why is that? Well, there's laziness, but there's also a logistical thing that that makes it something that people blow it off. And it's simply this: is that if you if you're if you get down to the the anchor, you're the first person down there. You feed the one end through the rope while you're waiting. You tie a knot in that, and that's the one that sort of slithers down, or you gather it up and throw it off. The other one, when you pull it again, let's say it's a thirty meter rappel, you pull that end, it flops down, 
it's 30 me- that end is now 30 me- meters below you. So to put a knot in that end mm-hmm. means you have to pull, pull that up. 30 meters up, tie the knot, and drop it again. And that's why it doesn't happen. Mm. That's why most people don't do it yeah. is because that is a big extra time suck is to yank all that rope that just flew past you and whipped down there and made that big whipping noise. And mm-hmm. now to stop and pull it up, most people blow that off. I mean, the reason I, the reason I don't often do that is because, and it's only in situations where I know what route I'm repelling and I know how much rope I have and I know where the anchors are. And so the, the risk to me is that I would be knocked unconscious from like a random rock fall or something and then fall off the end of my ropes. Right. But I, I know if I have a rope that I know is like, you know, 50 feet longer than I need to repel to that next anchor. It's a hard sell to me to be like, okay, I'm going to pull up the rope. I'm going to knot it. I'm going to, it's good. You know, I'm not going to, I'm going to remember not to like cluster fuck myself and like untie the knots after I get to the next anchor, all of that hoopla. It's, it's a, that's the, uh, where the time saving benefit, you know, like, calculus happens in my brain right. when repelling but if it if it is like one of those things where i'm like this is a 30 meter repel we're on a 60 meter rope i mean i might make it right. i might not right. you know right. it's fucking worth it and i i have been in situations where i didn't do that and i literally had to daisy chain Ugh. myself to an anchor in and like literally came off the ends of my rope because I like fucked it up so bad. And it was like fucking sketchy. I would not do that again. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. Well, yeah. I mean, if you get, yeah. I think all climbers have been in that. Yeah. Like, if you scenario. get down, yeah. like I think within like three meters of the end of the rope. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so it's fucking so, terrifying. Dude, that, talk about it's when yeah, palms. Exactly. Just thinking about that. Yeah. It's terrifying. But you know, my justification is, is I almost always use an auto block. Which you know is the yep. is the the prusik on the the leg loop sort of break hand thing, but the but that bullshit won't stop you from going off the end. Exactly, of the right. that's the bullshit thing is yep. that you will not it will it will not stop me from going off. It, it would stop me in the a sense if the rock your hit, rope would. would yeah, and yeah. the the one below would deal with the knocked out or whatever. Um, it also, I find it helps me deal with letting go to like fuck with the ropes if they're in a bush or they're like cold up. But yeah, I, I know full well, even though I like justify it, that it wouldn't keep me from going off the end of the rope if I just, you know, repelled that far. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, the knots at the end of the rope is a funny one because we always say it, but man, I don't, it's just, again, that logistical thing of the rope falling past you and then having to pull it all the way back up. And if you're doing double rope appels, you're going to pull 60 meters of rope up, 50 meters of rope up to put that knot in there. Man, I just don't think that many people do it. And I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying. Well, climbers need to know that most climbers die from repelling. Repelling is dangerous. It's dangerous. And you need to like know your rope. You need to know like the halfway mark and like you need to be comfortable with your systems. But it's like to bring it home to what the, we originally started talking about. Simar repelling doesn't seem like there's a lot for it in the plus column. Right. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's an added, uh, it's an added externality. It's an added 
you know, risk that you don't really need to take, you know, for time or for what, for any reason. Yeah. The aggregate doesn't really add up. I'm even trying to think of instances I've read about or famous climbs where, you know, the fast and white crowd had to escape a, a giant storm. And I'm even at a loss as to like thinking of like, Oh, that 15 minutes was the difference. Right. It's like, no, That's you're exactly in the right. storm. No, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I was storm. like thinking of like Nanga Parbat right. for whatever reason. No, they, were, they were repelling for days. Totally. They were repelling for days. <laughs> we'll talk. Days. Right. Like, I mean, you name them. Right. <clears throat> they weren't simple climbing. It just doesn't, it just, doesn't, yeah. yeah. I, I, at you, all. You put it perfectly at the start of this. Like, yeah. it does not add that much time-saving right, benefit. Right. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, you know, the other thing is a mentality. If like, you know, you're in such a hurry to start cutting those corners. And to me, and this is like the famous, uh, it's almost cliche to say, but like the shit goes down on the descent. Like mm. that's a famous kind of, um, aphorism of, of climbing, like right. get to halfway the top, there. you're halfway there or not even. And it's like, Oh yeah, you're fucking gonna. And that's like, whenever I, get on some big descent i mean it's like my full alert system is awake and on and i'm like dealing and i like you know i get down to an anchor and i clip in and i breathe and i take a second and i'm just like all right before i fucking let go of this break hand on this rappel is everything cool yeah and it doesn't take long to do that again over a, a multi-pitch descent you know a few seconds here and there is not going to add up but it's like I'm I'm like on high alert and if I'm super tired and you know it's even more so of like wait 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 pinch myself you know it's like the the driving at night where you're just like no no we I got to fucking stay on and and I don't know it's just like the whole attitude of like we're just going to take this descent lightly and like yeah that's just it just, it just really doesn't make any sense yeah. to me you know yeah I'm like Right now, I'm just like having these like flashbacks of like moments where I almost died. Yeah, you're like <laughs> again, you're like okay, there's really the anchor. Like, yeah. It's like kind of horrifying, and you oh, see yeah. the ends of your ropes like dangling like a meter yeah, below the anchor. Like, oh, body weight, I got yeah. that. Yeah. And, and it's <laughs> yeah. always like I've been the there. weight of the rope. There's no more weight of the rope, so you're really <laughs> fucking holding on because like up at the top, just the weight of the rope That's was right. enough to stop yeah. you. But and all the tension's like, on yeah, that hand, baby. Oh yeah, it's terrifying. Anyway, but look. And this is like, you know, it's definitely something that was prompted by, by Brad's death, um, by the accident, uh, but and no disrespect. I mean, you know, well, those guys were operating he, as they saw fit and, yeah. and accidents happen in climbing. They just do. And they happen in climbing do about and it. they're meaningful when we learn about them. And Brad's life is more than his accident, of course. Of course, yeah. But... His accident is meaningful because if there's one person who takes repelling more seriously because of the details of his death and and that saves their life, that's, that's meaningful. That's like important to, and then that happens. That will happen because Brad was such a famous person and he died doing something so routine and mundane in climbing. Right the best climber, you know, in the country fell to his death repelling. Right. Right. And people will remember that and they will learn from that and they'll, there will be lives saved from that. So that's, that is what it is. Like 
you know, honor that. And like, but like, let's keep telling that story. Let's not be afraid to tell that story. Yeah. Don't No, Not at all. Yeah. Yep. You mentioned it in another podcast in the grief episode. Like let's not shy away from this, this accident. Let's not shy away from death. Yeah. I mean, Brad's gone. There's nothing we can do to, uh, change that. And, uh, yeah. And like you said, if somebody figures this out because of that, then, then we're, we're on the way. Right. So there's plenty of people out there just rolling their eyes that like simul repel all the time. And I guess I would just say, man, be careful and take those, you know, few seconds at every belay, take those few seconds. Well, it, think, yeah. I would say if, if, if I would say to them, consider what Chris just said. Which is how much time are you saving? Yeah, lay right. in bed and, and think about it. Do yeah. the do the math in your head and, because and think about it. Because it doesn't seem like that much, and I think that's a really good point. Totally. And I mean, I would I had uh, I would hope all the future Bisharats who are climbing in Middle Cathedral with some unknown fucking guy from Camp Four to be emboldened. My daughters aren't going to Camp Four. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Uh, but just to be emboldened when you're at oh, you, you know wait. you're at your rap stations and the your the bro is like, yo, we're simul repelling. You're like, ah. Why? You know? Just one simple question. Why? And if it's just to get down, to get margarita at Camp 4 a little faster, it's like, uh, we can pump right. the brakes. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Everyone needs to, everyone's trying to go so fast. Right. And like, you need to slow down and totally. be slow and heavy. Yeah. Like, slow I think that's a good, baby. No, no, I, think no, I agree. I, I really agree yeah. with that. You claim sure. to love... The mountains. Yeah, you love the mountains. Stick around you love a little everything bit. Everything about climbing. Exactly. You love being up there. I mean, your right. Instagram posts are just like mountains. a flurry of poetic words about how much you love that shit. They're so, calling. So stay up there for fifteen more minutes. <laughs> you know, and exactly. like in all honesty, like when thinking about repelling, I have those terrifying moments. But also, there's like, you know, all the upward is done. Yeah. You're on your way down, right. and it's like your partner gets on repel, and you've got two minutes to just chill. If you're at the top, there's really nothing to do. And fucking just chill. Totally. For two minutes. Look around. Have a good time. It's like... The other thing that you know I, I mean? think that this this conversation kind of segues into, and I don't know if this is a TAP-specific sp- topic necessarily. doesn't matter, man. We're out on the wing yeah. right now. <laughs> so the, the, just the conversation about power and differences with partners mm-hmm. and agreeing to like... You know, like I think about my younger self agreeing to, you know, simul rap, whatever. The That is like something that you need to be aware of. In my old age, I'm offering this advice to younger climbers. It's all about old age. Be aware of the power and differences between you and your partner. If your partner is climbing letter grades or more harder than you, and they offer up a technique or decision that you uh, aren't comfortable with, you need to question that and you can't just agree with what they say because you need to like Hayden was actually like Hayden was the one who said this so beautifully. Hayden Kennedy. And Hayden Kennedy said this so beautifully, which was the weakest climber in the group needs to be the leader, which I think is such a great idea. The, the weakest climber needs to be the one making the decisions. The weakest climber needs to be the one saying, I want to simul repel or I want to do my repels slow and heavy or I want to go slow and you know heavy on the, this route. Because that is the person that 
you're going at their speed anyway. Right. You know? And so Hayden was beautiful with, with that kind of like respect with who his partners were. And he wasn't, I mean, he, he literally showed that to me. Yeah. When I climbed with him. You totally. Know, like, he oh, show- Clouse, we don't need these three Camelots. I'm like, right. yeah, we yeah, fucking need totally. those three Camelots. <laughs> Put them back on the rack. Done. No yeah. fucking. We're not arguing about this. Like, I mean, that's literally a situation on the, to uh, on the rainbow wall. Like, no, we're taking not just one, but two. Okay. Like, oh, you, you got hands, man. You don't need. You no, just don't let go, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we took him. And he used every single one. And I'm sure he probably (laughs) normally with a lot of his partners, some are but he never brought it up with me. Right. Because there's no fucking way I was going to do it. The weakest climber should make the decisions. Yep. And just be aware of those dynamics. Yeah, I mean, be aware of the dynamics. Like, if you're uncomfortable with something, you know, it's not necessarily bullying, but don't don't let yourself be pushed into something that you're uncomfortable with. Because... It, it, it's also a weird thing for some someone to push you into that because especially with summer repelling each other's lives are in each other's hands yeah yep. and so it's like if you said hey i'm not real comfortable with this that other person should be like oh okay thanks Thank for you. telling yeah, me yeah exactly i don't want you to you're fuck exactly 50 percent yeah, so, of this yeah yeah but i mean in, in, in general sense what you're getting at is like don't let yourself be pushed into something that you're not comfortable with right yeah but be but it's so easy for people who are the less experienced oh, per- sure. people Definitely. to fall into that. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. And that's a bad thing because yeah. partnerships are 50/50 and they're not treated that way because mm-hmm. people don't people defer to the stronger climber. Yeah. And more experienced climber. And I mean, and they defer to them for decisions and and that's wrong. I mean like it the and, and and if you're the more I guess it's really if you're the more experienced climber you need to be aware of what your role is because you need to like ask your partner for like what they are comfortable with and be able to like ferret out what, what if they're just feeding you bullshit or not like it's really on on their shoulders I think to to say like okay you know, I, like I'm sensing that you're not comfortable with this. We're going to do it this way. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like, you know, it's like these difficult conversations that you have where you're trying to like read power imbalances and stuff. Like, yeah, it's weird, but just be open to that. Yeah. And we're definitely yeah. dipping our toe into the boyfriend, girlfriend world with that <laughs> as well in terms of the power and difference, you know, is that going to be on the taps list Next as year. well? No, boyfriend, we're girlfriend. <laughs> we're done. You shouldn't climb with bo- your girlfriend or boyfriend. Don't climb with your girlfriend or boyfriend. <laughs> don't simul rappel with your girlfriend. Don't just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone boyfriend. has to stay home and take care of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> at the bottom of the cliff, barking its head off. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, so, what's the next topic? That's it. We're done. We're done. I'm just getting. We can just keep going, baby. After even the normal cast. We need to talk even about the normal cast hardcore fans are not this tolerant. 
<laughs> They're like, five hour episode? What the fuck? It's like, uh, it's like hardcore history up in this right, piece. Exactly. <laughs> At Brooklyn Distilling, good whiskey. We stayed yeah, exactly. up That's 70 the hours. That's the problem. Blame it on, blame right. it on Brooklyn Distillery. God damn it, Brad. <laughs> Brad, God up at Brooklyn it, Distillery, Brad. fucking right. fueling this thing. We're into the corn. We're into the corn whiskey now. Oh uh, no, the no, wheat. We're in the New York. Yeah, wheat. we ha- we start with the rye and corn. Now we're in the New York wheat. I never noticed the dog on the and label. It's different. I it is it's different. It's good. Flavor. It's yeah. very good though. Oh yeah, they have a little. Yeah, uh, like a Boston like Terrier, preach, man. Uh, yeah. So that's it for the 2020 Taps edition of the Enormacast. And uh, I want to thank Brooklyn Distilling for providing us with enough whiskey that I can hardly talk right now. And that's it. Do you have uh, any sort of thing you want to add to this? Of course, you can reach me at chris at enormacast.com. And uh, everybody be safe and check your knots. And do not email me. (laughs) Not Andrew. Go through me. <laughs> Although you can reach Andrew at Andrew <laughs> at Enormacast. No, at an Evening Sense. Would you have yeah, a Yeah, get him at his uh, online journal. Live journal. Yeah, my live journal. <laughs> Just stay off that. Stay <laughs> off that. You're, and Steve Dilk has no social media None. whatsoever. So None. He's Dude, you're, you're like the He's most, the you're a free bird. Yep. It's Dude, the best. We're so yeah. jealous of you. It's the best you. way to go. You are. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Donnie was a good bowler and a good man. He was, he was one of us. He was a man who loved the outdoors and bowling. And as a surfer, he explored the beaches of Southern California from La Jolla to Leo Carrillo and up to Pismo. He died. He died as so many young men of his generation before his time. In your wisdom, Lord, you took him. As you took so many bright, flowering young men at Quezon, at Londoc, at Hill 364, these young men gave their lives. So did Donnie. Donnie, who loved bowling.